0: So, but good morning and welcome to Charters Towers Christian Outreach Centre, and uh, also to those joining on our Podbean podcast, a, a big welcome to our church family here in the Towers, and I pray for those even visiting today, give us a wave if this is the first time you're here, there's a few people here for the first time, give me a wave, I just want to say you are really, really welcome, and I pray that you feel as comfortable as you are at home, except that you don't put your feet, feet up, Okay. So it's really good when people stay awake for the message. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I trust that we're going to have a really good morning here today as we come around the Word of God. And uh, in the midweek meeting, I said, we're reading from the Word of God. It's the indestructible, infallible, infinitely inexhaustible and more up-to-date than this morning's new paper, Word of God. Amen? It's a wonderful thing is the Word of God. And God upholds His Word above His name and He watches over His Word to perform it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, says God, it shall not return to me void. Amen. And so uh, I love it when we bring and preach from the word of God, because it's good stuff. And it's the only thing in this world that you can actually rely on. There's nothing that you can rely on on in this earth except the word of God. And so I'd like if you turn in your Bibles, and I trust you've brought a Bible and a notepad to 1 Samuel 13, I'm going to be reading uh, briefly in a moment in time from verses 19 to 23. And I would like to share on how to conduct a successful military campaign. You might be thinking, well, Jeff, I come to the church today, not an army barracks. But you know what? In the realm of the spirit, we are in a military campaign. And uh, Christians these days are not sure that they're in a military fight or a spiritual battle. But we definitely are. And uh, on May 21st, I spoke on the call to arms taken from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 to verse 19. And some may be thinking, I thought this was Christian life was a peaceful thing. I didn't realize I was part of the war cabinet. And uh, so just turn to the person next to you and say, I didn't know you were on the war cabinet. Just say that to the person next to you. I didn't know you were on the war cabinet. And I mean, that involves everybody. Amen. Everybody here sitting in the pews in church is part of the war cabinet, the decision-making process to take up spiritual arms, because we are definitely in a spiritual battle. And so uh, I pray for not just information, but divine revelation would come to you people here today. And so Christianity is not a subject, Christianity is not a philosophy to be learned, Christianity is a life to be lived, amen? And it's an exciting life to live as a Christian, as a born-again believer, blood-washed, spirit-filled believer. It's great to be a Christian, amen? But it's a challenging life. It's not a particularly easy life because we're going against the flow, amen? But in doing so, going against the flow, we do have the Holy Spirit, the paraclete or helper come alongside of us. And so Christ in you is the hope of glory, meaning you are the miracle this community needs, amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the miracle this community needs. (laughs) Ivan, you're the miracle this community needs. Oh, I always pick on, sorry, I've got to pick on someone else. Nadia, (laughs) you are the miracle. Nadia's come all the way from Belarus to be part of this community. Oh, and she's a wonderful woman of God. But when we apply the word of God to our life, everybody in our circle of influence becomes a beneficiary, amen? The world has been the greatest beneficiary of the church amongst men, amen? The greatest beneficiary, even though we've gone through tremendously harsh and at times persecution. And uh, to this very day, the world has been the greatest beneficiary of this organisation called the church. In fact, the greatest beneficiaries are those who are not members, amen? Isn't that remarkable? The greatest beneficiary of the church are those who are not members because they become part of the blessing, amen? So this morning we invite the Holy Spirit to quicken the word to us and I have found when the Spirit of God is on the Word of God it's actually got some power to it. The Word of God without power is is, as without faith applied to the Word of God it cannot impact your life and so the Spirit of God has to be upon the Word of God. I pray that my greatest prayer when I bring the Word of God is Holy Spirit let your presence be upon the Word, because if the Spirit of God is not upon the Word of God, it cannot bring change to your life. All it is is doctrine and notes and information, amen? But when the Spirit of God is on it, it's got a capacity to change you from the inside out. And so, but what happened to this piece, and why this talk of war in the Spirit? I like the Psalm 23 in verse 2, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. Amen? People like that verse very much. Quite nostalgic often. And um, in Israel, the common greeting on the streets to this day is shalom, meaning peace and prosperity in every sense of the word. You're walking down the street and they just go shalom, shalom. It's just peace. That's body, soul and spirit peace. Well, they say mashalom ha, which means what is your peace? Amen. And so, uh, Semlacha shalom, is the last words in the Aaronic blessing, meaning, uh, and give you peace. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, you'll know this verse, it's on all our Christmas cards. And it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. So if you're worried about something, throw your cares on God, throw your cares on Jesus, because here it says clearly that the government shall be upon his shoulder. You're not meant or designed to carry the burdens that we so often do. And it says, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Many people will know on, know those verses. It goes on to say in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So it's an ever-increasing peace and government. So what is this we read in the New Testament letters over and again when Paul... Say, as in, for example, in First Timothy 6.12, we are called to fight the good fight of faith. What happened to peace and all that? All this sort of terminology, using terminology with its roots, firmly embedded in competition, oh, sorry, and warfare. Firmly embedded in, in, uh, in competition and warfare are these, are these uh, is this terminologically... Uh, And he admonishes his protege, Timothy, to contend for the gospel. What happened to peace? Now we're contending. You see, it's aggressive, isn't it? It's proactive. It's not passive. Not in the realm of the spirit. And to contend for the faith against all adversaries is described in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and onwards. Write that down and read it later. You see, we've got quite a list of adversaries. No shortage, in fact. And, on, and to literally to seize the prize. In other words, it's never ever just handed to you on a platter. And for when they went into the promised land, they were promised this land, but the enemy needed to be dispossessed for them to possess it. Amen? So there was not much peace about all that. They had to contend for it. And his closing remarks in 1 Timothy 6.20, in the same chapter, is he says to his young protege, Timothy, to guard what was committed to you in trust, to guard what was committed to you in trust. When you pick up a Bible, we are to guard what is committed to us in trust. People paid an extremely heavy price for you to have a Bible sitting on our shelf, amen? Gathering dust often, and sometimes we don't realise it tremendously, heavy price that generations of people had to pay and still do to this very day to ensure the liberty of the gospel that comes to you so it's not something new this thing to to guard the church at this time is spiritually i would say in a lot of ways we're spiritually flabby but we are learning to toughen up to season up to lean up and get into the word of god and uh, to get the church back into a a battle-hardened position, amen? You and I need to be in a battle-hardened position. I have noticed my prayer life is picking up because I need to be in a battle-hardened position. What I did a year ago is not enough for the day in which I live, amen? And I'm getting battle-hardened and you are getting battle-hardened as well. You are getting battle-hardened. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are getting battle-hardened, amen? Battle-hardened. It means the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but here is the weapon of your warfare and you're getting battle-hardened. Oh, it's good stuff. And we think uh, this, this contending or guarding, is it, is it something new? Is it something just New Testament? But we see that in Genesis 2.15, which is the first book of the Bible, second chapter in, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. That's what we read. So we think that, that Adam is there just picking out a few weeds, shuffling along and having a bit of a stroll in the glorious light. And, uh, but that word, to keep it, that's how we often read it. But in the original Hebrew, the word there used is shomer. Which means to guard. Oh, that's a proactive word. It's a forceful word. To guard against what? There was already; They were being already prepared for what was to come. God took the man and put him in the garden to guard it. But in the midst of battle, we can and do and we have peace. When the Lord says, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you peace. Put my yoke upon you. Amen. The yoke of the Lord is what we want to wear, not the yoke of the world. And so Philippians, which is God's book of contentment, Paul wrote to us in chapters 4 and verses 6 to 7, he says, be anxious for nothing. So we are in the midst of this spiritual battle, which we are in, we are in a spiritual battle, the command, it's not an idle suggestion, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard, there is that word again, your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If there was ever a time to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, it is now, amen. How do we do it? Place our cares upon the Lord, amen. Take up the shield of faith. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, amen. A man in the military knows his weapon, and we need to learn our weapons too, amen. And so, but there was and still is part of the mandate and mission of a man to guard that which is entrusted to us. And we have been given a great trust. And some people here, perhaps you've received a few injuries in your spiritual walk. And you're sitting now in a military hospital with your feet up. And we can be content to draw back to the place where we think it is safe. In other words, we put ourselves on the bench who knows one of the worst positions to play in a football game is sitting on the bench when you're playing in basketball who loves to sit on the bench I don't see that hand we all love to be part of the game amen and in the, in the NRL or we talk about for the love of the game amen they, pit, they put their bodies on the line they do this and they do that why it's for the love of the game I preached a message here about 10 years ago called For the Love of the Game, amen? Nobody remembers it, I know. It was a whole different crowd then. But for the love of the game, we just throw it. You can throw yourself in to this thing called your Christian walk, and it can be an exhilarating experience. You can hang out on the bench if you want, and the Lord has always given us a choice. But the most exciting place to be is in the thick of it, amen? Sure, there's some dust sure there's some punches being flown, sure there's some rough tackles and some illegal tackles. In the 70s and 80s, they had plenty of biff, amen? And a lot of people playing football say, bring back the biff. (laughs) It was rough, wasn't it? But it was exciting to be part of a game, amen? And I want to say in your Christian walk, it's great to be part of the game, boots and all, not hanging back, not hanging back, sitting on the bench, When you played footy or any other sport, you you were put on the bench. But today, voluntarily, a lot of Christians walk to the bench themselves. But I'm here today to encourage you to get off that bench if you feel you're on it and get into the thick of the game. Get to the prayer meetings. Get to the midweek meetings. Come alongside. Begin to pray. Begin to fast. Begin to worship, even though you haven't got a voice to worship. That's me. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, God has left the building. (laughs) When I sing, I think... No, but the Lord doesn't care what I sound like, amen? If I sang a, lo- a, a note on, in tune, it'd be lonely. <laughs> but it's good to be in the thick of it. And so, um, right in the midst of the action, there are eight references in the book of Revelations in that second chapter and third chapter, and, uh, and it's the individual letters and, uh, in, in the book of Revelations given to the Apostle John, and every single one of them, it ends in the same way to the letter to that particular church. It says, To him who overcomes, I will give. To him who overcomes, will partake. To him who overcomes, will be a pillar. To him who overcomes. And in that last letter, it says, As I also overcame. Because the words are written in red and they are the words of Jesus. And so, eight times in seven letters to the churches, and Jesus adds, as I also overcame. Overcame what? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And there are spiritual hindrances. There are things that occur in our day-to-day lives, sometimes on an hourly basis when you're in the workplace. And so we have to overcome. It is part of our Christian walk, and sometimes sitting beside the still waters, stagnant waters, often really not reflecting the real life. Amen? But that is what we call to do, to overcome. And so surely I can live this peaceful existence and everything will be hunky-dory, under the shadow of the Almighty, under His wings. And when we read those verses, it sort of reminds us of a sleepmaker ad. And I just, you know, who's seen those sleepmaker ads? And you just curl up you curl yourself up under a nice, a big fluffy cloud and, uh, and surely no contention in this realm. Surely no strife, surely no turmoil could come my way. What could possibly go wrong? I've given my life to Jesus, what could possibly go wrong? And so we're in this sleepmaker ad ourselves, curling ourselves up in this fluffy doona and feather pe- uh, feather- feathered pillow. But it doesn't really replicate what life is all about. On a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, we have to contend with many things. I don't need to go through the list, but just a briefly, there's health issues, there's longevity issues, I'm getting old. There's people there who are going to school for the first time, people going, coming out of university and not knowing what their future holds and we've lost loved ones and things like that, and we've, streaked gr- and we've got grief in our heart that we need to go. We've got loved ones who were walked away from God, children who have walked away from God, and you just long to bring them back into the fold because of your love for them. There's no shortage of issues in our life, amen? No shortage. When you run out of issues, that's when you'll know you're dead, okay? <laughs> People say, I just want no issues. And the Lord says, you really don't know what you're praying because that's life, amen, that's life, and we have to overcome, we have to steal, the steel of greatness is not made under the limelight, but the steel of greatness is forged in the pit, where there's heat, there's agitation, and all those sorts of things, and if you feel there's a bit of heat, get out of the kitchen, (laughs) amen, that's life, and we have to, as Christians, toughen up for the day in which we live. Because there's plenty of stuff coming our way. But I want to say that the power of God is there to empower you to live victoriously. Doesn't matter what life dishes up. No matter what the devil throws your way. You are more than a conqueror. You are not a victim, but but a victor. I rang Victor up yesterday I said, I just thought about it. Victor, I said, you have a great name. Victorious Victor, amen? Not a victim, which is a national pastime in this country. I'm a victim. It's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. It's, uh, it's, uh, and we put the, the uh, violin music on and away we go. And, uh, but there's something good about people who just stand up square shoulders and take it on and says, whatever comes my way, nothing's going to stop me, praising the Lord. Amen. Let's get back to the word of God. I knew I would get there eventually. And here we have... And uh, 2nd, no it's not 2nd, it's 1st uh, Samuel chapter 13. i have to find it myself here, I didn't mark it. So here we go, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st Samuel and here we go, chapter 13, coming to it very, very shortly. Sing hallelujah when you get there, hallelujah. that's when you know I'm trying to stall for time. So here we go, 13, I'm nearly there. Nearly there, nearly there. Uh, 13 and verse 19, and actually, Pastor Mark uh, uh, talked about this briefly in our Iron Sharpens Iron conference. And he says, and, and here we are in the reign of the first king of Israel, and his name was Saul. And it says there, now, there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears... So their enemies, the Philistines, were actually lording it over the Israelites in their own land. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plough, shear, uh, shear, his mattock, his axe and his sickle. They didn't even have weapons, but even their farming implements, they had to go to the enemy to sharpen. Amen? And... uh, And in verse 22, it came about one day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with only Saul and Jonathan. They were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. So Saul and Jonathan, his son, had weapons. But nobody else had weapons. And God is not interested in an army where only the generals have a weapon. He wants everybody to be empowered with a weapon. Amen. And for that's just for the privates. That's just for who have, you say I'm just involved here or I'm just involved there. There's no just involved anywhere. Everybody is an integrable, integral, integrable, integrable part of the body. Amen. Everybody has a significant position. And I remember if you're in the military, you st- take up your post and you stand at your post and you never leave your post. They're pretty basic military commands. Once again, military commands, because we war against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against heavenly hosts of wickedness in the high places. Amen? You can't see any of these things. But like the wind, you know its effect. When the tree bows, you know the wind is there. But nobody can see wind. You can't see wind, can you? But you can see the effects of it. And so too it is with a spiritual battle. So in the story here in 1 Samuel, we see the people of God were physically disarmed by a foreign power and their livelihood and protection was at the mercy of the Philistines. The leaders were armed, but the people were defenseless and ill-equipped. The last thing I would like to see is this church, I want to see everybody equipped, fully equipped, that you know your weapons of warfare, amen? And it's my responsibility to see that you're equipped. And so, uh, uh, I'll briefly go to Ephesians chapter 6. We see Galatians, Ephesians. There we go, Brooke. How's that finding? How's that new Bible of yours? Really, really good. And so, here we are in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So there is the call to arms. And we know that our strength is not in our own ability, but in the Lord's ability. Amen. But we still have to take up a position. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12. You should learn all this off by heart, actually. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And therefore, it says, therefore take up the whole armour of God. People say, did you put the whole armour of God on? And they go, oh, yes, I did. They said, well, why did you take it off? And really, our, our position should be one of the ever-ready battery. Ever ready. Put on the whole armour of God and don't take it off. Be consistently in the place of being Uh, forearmed and forewarned take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand so when we do what god calls us to do and we've not received a further instruction stay the course hold the line they would say other military terms in the navy and also the army stay the course is a naval term stay the course don't change stand having done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth there you go putting on the breastplate of righteousness we know that the lord himself is our righteousness amen it's his robe of righteousness that we wear having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace learning the word of god above all taking the shield of faith which which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and it's almost like as a matter of a fact The wicked darts of the enemy will come your way. It's almost like a promise in the Bible. Remember, there are over 33,000 promises in the Bible, yet there are only 31,102 verses in the Bible. So there are actually more promises in the Bible than there are verses. Amen? And so that's one of them. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And where is the answer? Here it is in verse 18, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Perseverance is not a is not a passive word. There are no passive words in this whole thing regarding spiritual warfare. Amen. In fact, the whole Christian life is not really. It doesn't talk that much about being passive at all. It means being aggressive in the realm of the Spirit. But the God of peace will be with you through the whole process. Amen? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Uh, so it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so I remember years ago, uh, I once wrote a definition of faith which doesn't sound so heroic, but it's quite real, and perhaps you'll identify with it. Faith at times being just to hang on to God long enough for his promises to be fulfilled. <laughs> Who's ever thought about it like that? You've got so much stuff can come your way at times. So you're just hanging on to God and that's all you know to do. That's faith. Not letting go. Not being consumed by other stuff that comes around us or against us. No, not giving into that. That is the ultimate stand. Hanging on to the hem of his garment till God comes through. Continuing to the believing is a verb. It's an active word. It's not just a passive word. I've got faith. It's a pa- No, faith and believing, the believing in John, in the gospel of John, mentioned more times than nearly all the Bible put together in the gospel of John is this great word called believing, which is the verb, the active word of faith. Amen. You stand believing. You hold on to God and you don't let go. Locked your, amen. Locked your Weapons of our wa- 2 Corinthians ten verse four is another great scripture you can write on this whole subject. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not natural. The, our weapons as a Christian are not natural. Other religions may use a sword, but the, as Christians, we're, ne- we're never condoned to use a sword. Jesus said to Peter, "Put away your sword." Peter was a full-on guy, wasn't he? After a prayer meeting, he cut off a guy's ear. That's full-on, isn't it? <laughs> Who wants to come to our prayer meetings? Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the knowledge of Christ. Watch your internal dialogue when you're doing mundane jobs and you're speaking to yourself, bringing every thought into captivity to the knowledge of God. Amen? The devil will try and get into your mind twist it and turn it, turn it upside down. He twists and turns the word of God. He will do nothing less with your own things, bringing every thought into the obedience to the knowledge of God. Amen? So if the enemy is not flesh and blood, that means that our weapons are not flesh and blood. You see why natural things will not work for you? You might have been a prize pulitzer, a a prize fighter in your day, a prize fighter, a great boxer. Those weapons will not work for you, even they may have done in a past life. In your BC days, before Christ days, boxing, sorting things out at the back of the woodshed may have worked really well for you. But as a Christian, they will no longer work for you anymore. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. End of story, amen? And so so there are actually 53 references to the word Satan in the New King James Bible, amen? 53 references. In Genesis 3, 1, we see now the serpent was more cunning in the garden. In Genesis 3, 1, the same uh, verse there, it says, Has God God indeed said? That's what he says, doesn't he? It's it's not even what he said, but how he said it. It casts doubt immediately upon the word of God, challenging the spoken word of God. Devil in the Latin is diablo, meaning to thrust through like a rock. And... uh, and I love that scripture, Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Oh, that's the devil, amen? If you walk with a limp, it's because you've got your devil, the devil's head underneath your foot. Amen? That's why we sometimes walk with a limp. Jacob walked with a limp, amen? After he wrestled with God, he never walked the same again. When you've had an encounter with God, you will not walk the same again. You may walk a little differently. Perhaps some people say, oh, he walks with a limp. Oh, but you know that you've got the devil in your shoe, amen? And everything that the devil does, you can turn it around to good and use it as a stepping stone for God's purpose and destiny for your life. 1 Peter 5.8, and Peter puts it differently. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking uh, many, uh, seeking whom he may devour. And I have found that fellowship will keep you in good company, amen? We know that roaring lions will always pick off the weak ones first, amen? They will always pick... But fellowship is a safeguard for you because there is always strength in numbers, amen? Our prayer, we know, one puts a thousand to flight and two sends a legion fleeing. So our prayers, even when we pray together, are exponentially, tremendously greater when we pray together so being in good fellowship in a good house in a good church sitting under the gospel is is a great and safe way to live but the devil's agenda is not to hurt you to maim or discourage you that's not his agenda i'd like to put it very to devour and destroy is just the fulfillment of the devil's job description he doesn't want to hurt you he wants to destroy you amen And he does it with a grin. He's not here to just inflict some discomfort on you. He is here to destroy your life. And he says, uh, John 10, 10, and Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, steal and to kill and to destroy. Amen. Jesus, on the other hand, says, I have come that you would have life and life abundant. It's not the easiest way to live for Jesus, but it is the most glorious way to live. And the eternal benefits are better than any AMP superannuation package they've got going. Amen? Oh, yes. Better. Better than anything else. The devil's cunning. He's a hateful opponent. He's, a, he's the accuser of the brethren. When you come under criticism in the house of God, and we can easily do it, when we bring criticism and no, with no real answers, whose work are we doing? And I've got to be careful about the words that I speak with my brothers and sisters, because if I come accusingly, or people come at us accusingly, whose work are they doing? And the devil, we know, feeds off the dust of the earth. He started in the garden as a small snake, but in the book of Revelations, he's a great and mighty dragon. After for about four, uh, 6,000 years of feeding off the dust of humanity, this slimy serpent in the garden of Eden is now the mighty dragon in in uh, the book of Revelations, but here we go. Let's read. Uh, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty. I'm t- t- talking today about preparing and enduring in battle today. And uh, and I'll briefly go through some verses here. I'll have a quick drink of water. And so we see good, good King Jehoshaphat. Good King Jehoshaphat. Can you say that? Good King Jehoshaphat. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Say it real quick. It says, and uh, it happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others uh, came against and battled against Jehoshaphat. And so all these three nations here were actually cousins of the children of Israel. Who knows that you can't pick your family, amen? (laughs) Who knows that you can have trouble with family? I see that hand i see that hand and so jehoshaphat's having trouble with his cousins all the neighboring tribes were actually all cousins and they were told when they took the promised land to leave these three tribes alone why because they were related and so he extended grace but they they returned his grace in later generations to make war on jehoshaphat and it says in verse three that jehoshaphat feared and set himself to Seek the Lord. There's the first thing I'm talking about a strategy here that will see success in every avenue of your life. It says, Seek the Lord, proclaim a fast. Fasting is actually not a swear word, amen. It's actually Jesus said, Not if you fast, but he said, When you fast, amen. When you fast, I heard the person next to you say, When you fast, when you fast. I've, I've had some times of great periods of fasting in my life. I think I Fasted more than I ate, and sometimes, sometimes uh, uh, fasting seems a scarce word. In verse 4 it says, so Judah gathered together to ask for help, so they prayed. So here we see in the verse of the space of only one verse, seek, fast, and pray. What a good strategy. And there it is there. And, they, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So they gathered together in unity to seek the Lord. And that Jehoshua, see the Jehoshaphat, number, see, the numbers of the enemies, that was a, a more like a 10 to 1. The odds were not good. And so they were positioning themselves for a miracle. And they didn't just believe in miracles, but they relied on a miracle. When you're relying on a miracle, you've got a bad doctor's report, you're in a position to receive a miracle. Amen? If you don't need a miracle, perhaps you won't see one. And that's why in many nations where they don't have great medical assistance and strategies and hospitals and things. They not only believe in miracles, but they rely on them because they don't have a medical system to back them up. And that's why they see so much. And uh, they don't have uh, payments to those who are unemployed. And so when you don't work, you starve. So they begin to believe. But their believing is far better than ours because we've always got a backup system. You see the level of faith which is required but the days are coming upon the church, even in the West, where things will be changed. And churches who once said, I don't believe in miracles, the days of miracles has passed. When they realize they go to the cabinet and there's no food, they will change their mind. And they will change their mind. And faith will kick in. It was never, a, they, say, they never ever say there was never a day of faith. Faith means that you believe in miracles. Amen. Why do we pray? Because we believe in miracles. We don't believe in a day of miracles. We only serve a God of miracles. He says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. End of story. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord. And he says, uh, and then he prayed as a mighty prayer. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, uh, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Oh, it's good verses, isn't it? And so he prayed with a tenacity. There was no, Lord, if it is your will, don't let them flatten us. It wasn't a prayer like that. I've got together with people to pray for somebody who had cancer, and they said, Lord, if it is your will, let this man live. Where's the faith in that? Oh, I said, oh, no. Oh, that's not how we pray. We pray believing. Lord, if it is your will, let me go bankrupt. (laughs) Whoever wants to pray like that? I said, oh, Father, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To fulfill your Abrahamic covenant of provision, I, the Lord God, have given you the ability to get wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18, you can begin to speak it into being. And your words, because you're made in the image and likeness of God, and God is created, you and I were made like him, so we create too with our spoken word, amen? Oh, Lord, I thank you that you delivered me, Father, that I'm healed in the name of Jesus, for my God is a healing God. Why do I believe in healing? Because God is a healer. Why do I believe in prosperity? Because God is a God who prospers. Why do I believe in miracles? Because we serve a God of miracles, amen? It is his substance and the very, very character of God to pour out these things upon his kids. And he says, and they were facing this mighty enemy. And in verse 14, he says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah. And uh, in the assembly or in the midst of the people, and he got a word of prophecy. Amen. Do I believe in prophecy? Yes, I do. Because Jesus was a prophet. Amen. And God throughout all the ages and in every age has always had prophets. Why are people uncomfortable with the word of God? And the spirit of the Lord came upon this man and he he prophesied and he said in verse 15 and 16, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Oh what a strategy, here's a battle plan. Tomorrow Go down against them, they will surely come up by... And he gave the exact instructions here. It was a word of knowledge and a word of prophecy. Gifts of the Spirit which are operating in churches who choose to operate in them. You can close off the gifts of the Spirit and say, oh no, they're not for us. And God's just scratching his head and saying, I have made all provision for you. And you don't want to unwrap this gift? These are the gifts of the Spirit which are for today's church, amen? Why? Because God is our paraclete, our helper, and he never leaves us as orphans and withdraws the gifts that he gave the church to start the church. And for the church to be sustained, we need to continue to tap into the realm of these gifts. Amen? They are there to help us. That's what they're there for. God loves you and he wants to help every one of us. And we need these supernatural gifts. That is what being a Christian is all about. The first church was a Pentecostal church. It was a church filled with the spirit and the presence and the power of God. Amen. And this, is ch- this church too is going to and will see and has done seen signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. My father healed the pancreatic cancer. Should have died 10 years ago. I'm still preaching about him. Amen. I'm getting sick of preaching about my father. <laughs> when he was sick, they had to come and get his hospital bed out of his house. They said, you won't die. <laughs> it's good news, isn't it, when God heals somebody. Amen? Fantastic news. You can believe. You can believe. You can believe. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Look at that. Position yourself. We need to position ourselves to receive God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. You see, that's a, that's a tactic from the devil. He wants you to fear. He wants you to be dismayed. He wants you to be discouraged. These things do not come from God. And so when they come knocking on your door, write on them, return to sender. (laughs) Don't receive it. Don't receive it. Don't receive that package. It's not for you. Say, return to sender. Do not fear or dismay. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Go on to verse 20. And it says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. The Hebrew word there established is also believe. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Three times in one verse is this word believe. Amen? Believe. The promises of God are to him who believes. How simple is that? That's why everybody can come to faith. Everybody has a capacity to believe. Doesn't matter whether you're tall or short. This or that. Doesn't matter whether you've got good health or bad health, where you've got still one breath left in your lungs, you still have a capacity to believe. And that's why God has decided by, through the realm of believing that you would receive salvation, amen? To receive Jesus Christ is automatic. All you need to do is believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about repenting, receiving and believing. Sure, there's a repentance but believing is the conduit by which salvation flows. Amen? Oh, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. Who, who reckons this is good stuff? In, uh, in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, I've taken out all the juicy bits out of it. I've taken all the verbs out of it. And here they are. In verse 3, it says, seek the Lord. In verse 3, it says, fast. In verse 4, it says, "Pray." In verse four it says a public declaration. Verse five, there's a prophecy and an encouragement to not be afraid or dismayed, for the battle is not yours but the Lord's. In verse six, in verse sixteen, God illustrates and gives them a strategy. There will be strategies which the Lord wants to speak to you about. But he says to him who has an ear, let him hear. You can hear if you want to hear, amen? When you turn on the ABC, you can hear ABC. When you turn on the SBS, you can hear SBS. When you turn on God, you can hear from God, amen? People say, who, how do I know whose voice it is? Well, who are you tuning into? Tune into God and you will hear the voice of God very clearly. In verse 17, it says, position yourself. It means align yourself up with God's um, tactics, amen? As I always used to say, my dog always positioned himself at a barbecue to receive from the table, his father's table, a sausage flying off the plate onto the ground and he positioned himself to devour that thing before it hit the ground. Amen? My dog Ralph, a little thing, fluffy. They're not really dogs. They're these little fluffy things, really. A mop without a handle, that's all they are. He positioned himself for success, but you and I can position ourselves for success. Amen? Position yourself to receive from God. Now listen to this, verse 20. It says, believe, 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 three times in one word, in in one verse. It's good stuff, isn't it? And then in verse 21, it says, praise. And in verse 24, it says, be a witness, watch and see what the Lord will do. And so, and in verse 25, it says, collect the spoil, meaning it's payday. As they left Egypt, it was payday, 400 years of service, and in bondage to the Egyptians, and they, it was payday, and they left with the spoil of Egypt, amen, there will come a day when you will get double for your trouble, more than double for your trouble, the, the, uh, when they left Egypt, they got 400 years of back pay, well that's good isn't it, have you been deprived of some back pay, the Lord says it's coming your way, believe, believe, and believe, And and then the last thing they did was give thanks and remember. What a battle strategy. There it is there, the battle strategy of the Lord. You don't need to fight in this battle for the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. And in Exodus, you see almost the identical words in Exodus 14, 13 to 14. I read these out so you can write them out and have a look for yourself. I'd love for you to check this out for yourself. Don't just believe me. Refer to the word of God. And it says, this is Moses speaking now. It's almost like Jehoshaphat or that prophet, the prophet came and spoke to them. It says, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It's almost word for word, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Almost identical verses. Amen. Just a few hundred years later. So when the Lord heard the praise from his people, the Lord set ambushes, thwarted and camed and frustrated their plans against the enemy who opposed not only the people of God, but God himself. When the enemy comes to thwart your plans, and this is why God is willingly and wanting to back you, because those things despise God himself. When the enemy despises you, he's despising God. And he, to get to God, he is getting to you. Amen. When you've got a call of God upon your life, the enemy will use anybody and everybody to get to you, including the church, including other believers. Oh yes, oh yes, can use anybody, and he does. And so I've got three very short illustrations here before I wind up, and I ask Jules to come to the keys right now. And just and say, do we have a modern illustration of the battle is the Lord's? And there are so many so many. If I were a military historian, uh, born again of the Spirit of God, the formation of Israel is just made up of story after story, factual story after story of how the Lord, divine intervention came in, defied the odds. Israel should not be a nation today. It should have been blown into the water before the sunset of the second day they were in existence. The moment they came into formation, it was the 14th of May at 4 o'clock to 4.33 in the afternoon of 1948, and President Ben-Gurion stated that the nation of Israel came into existence. That afternoon, five nations surrounding that little tiny nation, which had didn't have anything, had a few handguns and a few bullets, fended off and won to this day. Amen? Amen. 1967, the six-day war. It was a fact, in fact accomplished. The victory was accomplished in Israel in 1967, not in six days, but in six hours. And the rest of the five and a half days was a mopping-up exercise. They defied all the odds, because the battle was the Lord's. Amen. It don't have to make sense to you for you to win this battle, to purchase this 100,000-kilometer property, Amen, a victor. I always like to pick on Victor a little bit. He's got a big vision, he's got a big dream and I like to get alongside people with big dreams and visions. It don't have to make sense. God has never asked you to pay for it, he's asked you to believe for it, amen? Amen. You begin to believe and you will see the victory come your way. In 1588, the Spanish Armada left the shores of Spain to go and invade Protestant England with 150 ships and about 18,000 men. But that Spanish Armada, one of the greatest fleets to ever leave any country's shores, was totally destroyed mainly by the weather. (laughs) It wasn't destroyed by the English guns. It wasn't destroyed by their much smaller ships. No, it wasn't. Surely they maneuvered all right. But most of the Armada, 150 ships, were swept up on the shores and on the rocks by a winds and storms that they had not seen. In June 24, 1812, one million of Napoleon's men marched on Russia. What destroyed that army? It was an unusually early winter set in. And basically the greatest defeat that came to Napoleon's army was the weather. 1941, June 22nd, four million of Hitler's men and his cohorts marched on Russia again. Never learned a lesson from Napoleon? No, he didn't. One of the severest winters in recording history coincided with the Russian counter-offensive and the Germans were totally annihilated and only a handful ever returned. Amen. And I read Job 38, 22. It says, have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail? And verse 23 says, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. You see, God uses those things to intervene and he will intervene for you today. I pray that you'd stand to your feet right now. Just stand, humbly just stand to your feet. We need God. We need God. He has given us a battle strategy. Individually, He loves you so much. He loves you. He loves your children. He knows you're not perfect. That's why He died on the cross. Because His blood brings perfection in us. Amen. To wash and cleanse the humanity of us. Because we all stumble so easily and fail. But when you prepare yourself to seek fast, pray, declare openly, listen to God's voice his strategy. Position yourself. Believe, believe, believe. Praise him and be a witness to the miracle that you are about to see. There's people here and you need a miracle. And I encourage you, just dive straight out to the front. Dive straight out to the front and just say, I believe Come on, you're amongst friends here. If you need a miracle in your body, you need a miracle in your finance, you need a miracle, just come. For those listening online, I know that there are people who need a miracle today. You've received a doctor's report, and it's not good. And you want to say, return to sender. Return to sender. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring this word, Father, humbly, that people, Lord God, would be taken out of the realm of the ordinary into the extraordinary, Father. I pray, Father, this is a day of miracles. And there are people here, begin to believe now. Right now, there is an anointing here to see a breakthrough in your situation. I join my faith with theirs. And I say, miracle come in the name of Jesus. Health, healing and wholeness come in the name of Jesus. A breakthrough in finance come in the name of Jesus. Let relationships and children be restored to me in the name of Jesus. I believe and I receive and everybody said amen and amen and
1: amen.